Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a 30-year sales process expert on how to build an easy system to start selling your product to wholesalers, distributors, and retail stores. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Scott Brogan to the show. Scott is the founder of Company Expert, a sales process consultancy that has worked with over 100 emerging brands. He has spent over 30 years in sales, including working for seven Fortune 500 companies in sales capacities. Today, Scott is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can start to build a process around identifying partner companies to sell to, preparing how to give your pitch, and how to improve your sales process over time to rinse and repeat. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Scott. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today to talk about sales, but specifically about pounding the pavement. How do you actually get the ball rolling to start making your first sales as a new hardware brand? Whether you're putting your first product to market or you're a smaller brand that's releasing a new product to market, at some point, you'll come across the concept of selling your product B2B, either through wholesalers, distributors, resellers, et cetera. There is a science and a process that's worked for well over 100 years, if not further, that really can engineer that to make it work well and work in your favor, even if it's your first time ever trying to sell your product to one of these entities. So Scott today here is to talk about that process. He's quite literally written the processes on this and has all sorts of things in and around the space, but I'll leave it to you, Scott. How did you get to where you are today and what are you working on with sales processes now? Yeah, so thanks thanks again for having me here today and I'm excited to talk with everybody. And I know when you think of the, the topic sales, it's very intimidating for a lot of people. It's like giving a public speech, right? Some people would rather be at a funeral than to get up and talk in front of people, but... <laughs> Once you build a system, a process in place, it becomes part of your conversations when you have your discussions with your prospects and it becomes part of the way you do business. So what we're going to do today is really talk about what is that process? What is that system to put in place to make you feel at ease and having consultative discussions with your clients? And something that I've done for the last 30 years and working with engineering companies, professional service firms, product firms, and really helping coach them to being successful at having conversations with the clients. Because if you want to be successful, you have to be yourself. But at the same time, you have to be consultative. You have to be a a solution driver. You have to try to identify problems and help your clients solve problems. And that's what you do every day. Sales is not, it's just an extension of a lot of what you do every day. And I'm here to kind of talk about how you can kind of build that practice into your own conversations with your prospects. That sounds great, Scott. Much appreciated. And it's such an important topic because it's one of the very powerful avenues to sell product. When you first think of selling a new invention idea, one of the first things that comes to mind is, okay, well, I'm going to sell direct to customer via Shopify, website, whatever. Or I'm going to sell via Kickstarter, Indiegogo, via crowdfunding campaign. Or I'm going to partner with another brand and they're going to sell it. 
There's another big avenue, which actually takes up the vast majority of physical product sales in this world, and that's selling to wholesalers distributors, resellers, et cetera. There's a number of different names and depending on the category that you're in, they may be coined differently, but it all comes down to selling to a business, another entity that then takes your product and sells it onwards. So a number of different deal structures there, but the point is how do you get in front of these customers and how do you get them to buy your product versus somebody else's product? And that's what we're here to talk about today in terms of process. So Scott, Let's get going from the early phase. How do we start building that plan? Or what do you really want to start with when you're coming up with the idea of selling the product to another business-to-business entity? Right. And the patterns that you just described, we call it a leverage play because you're really leveraging the credibility of those partners, right? Because you've got a new product you're launching. You don't have a brand yet. So you really leverage the blend of the partners that you're trying to sell to. And it's a great way to kind of accelerate your growth very quickly until you establish that brand and be able to go out and directly sell. It's a great way to kind of jumpstart your business. So one of the things you really have to think about, and I would say this for virtually everything across your business, is you've got to start with the goal. What's the purpose of making the call? Who do you want to reach, right? So what are the goals that you want to achieve? How much do you want in product sales? What do you want to do for building a relationship? What's the goal that you have in the outreach? I hate cold calls. I absolutely hate cold calls because most of the time, they don't add value. They're poorly structured. They're not well thought out. And I'm talking with somebody that doesn't understand my business. And what we're trying to do is to turn that on its head, right? And for you to have a constructive call, a call that can add value, and the client knows why you're calling them. And it really starts out with having a purpose of the call, right? Why are you calling? So you've got to write down your purpose, your goals that you want to achieve. And then you've got to really spend some time in thinking about who do I want to call? Like, what type of companies do I want to call? Because the conversation for one company is going to be totally different than a conversation for the next. And clearly, as a salesperson, you really want to understand the companies. You want to understand who the competitors are. You want to understand who they distribute through. You want to understand their strengths and weaknesses, some opportunities and threats. But but really having a conversation with them that is well-informed before you even make the call. So understand who your target market is. What is that collection of type of companies that you want to go after? So think about the technical term, it's firmographics, but the size of the company, are they a distributor? Are they a retailer? What's the revenue the company is? Where is the company located? So identifying that collective group of companies that you believe your message is going to best resonate with. That's your target market. So what are those group of companies that you want to approach with a goal that you put in mind? And once you've identified the companies, you really have to talk about the who. Who within those companies should you be calling? You're not going to be getting any decisions out of the IT department, right? So who within those companies are the key influences or decision makers that are going to purchase your product that you just developed, for example. So you've got to identify the right individuals and you need to kind of document what you think their pain points are. Why is your product going to appeal to them? What are some objections you think you may get to the sale of your product? So really, you've got your goal, you've got your collection of companies or target market, 
And then within the target market, who are the two or three individuals that are going to have influence on the purchase of your product? And remember, there are multiple in B2B sales. Typically, a B2B sales for larger companies is upwards of seven people that are involved in a purchasing process. So you have to kind of identify what are the ones that I need to reach out with, out to, and it's not just the CEO, it's not just the purchasing manager, you've got to identify who are those key influence. And that's critical because you've got to kind of shape your message for each one of those influences. It's interesting that you mentioned that there's generally seven key individuals to complete a purchase decision within you know, a typical uh, distributor, wholesaler, that type of an organization. So for somebody who's trying to put this information together, first of all, building out their goal, obviously that's something they can do internally. They can write it down. You've got a ton of resources that we'll talk about uh, towards the end of the show on how to actually build out these goals and strategies. But just in simple terms to move forward, if you're looking at figuring out who the companies are and figuring out who the people are, this is generally just done via Google. There's not really special tools or instruments you need between Google and LinkedIn. You can probably access at least the basic version of a lot of the information that you're talking about here. Yeah. And I think the easiest way to look at it is think of you going for an interview with a company. You're doing a lot of the same thing you should be doing if you were interviewing the company. All of this stuff is available. You can go on LinkedIn. You can go on Google. You can go on Glassdoor to find out a little bit about the culture of the company. But all of the things you would do if you're going for an interview, you'd do the same thing and get prepared for that call with a client. That's a great insight and an easy way that anyone with your hardware product can start doing this preliminary research. So Scott, let's assume that we've done the research. We've identified the targets. We know what companies we want to go after, at least in the beginning. You can, And here's the other thing about this as well. This could be a process that's built over time. You don't have to do this and have your list completed overnight and expect that that's your full and final list that you're going to sell to. Start with your first 10 or your first 20, get used to the process of doing research and continue to increase the quality of research as you go and learn from prior things that are happening to develop your, essentially your CRM system, your customer relationship management system. (laughs) One way or another, even if you're starting just on a notepad, you're building a set of data about prospective customers that improves and is added to over time. So let's assume we have at least our starter list. We've got a bunch of people that we want to reach out to. How do you approach the next steps of getting in front of those folks? Yeah, so, and this is obviously the most challenging aspect because people generally don't like cold calls and there are specific strategies you would use in dealing with administrative assistance, leaving voicemail messages and and things of that nature. I think the most important thing to remember is the people that you're reaching out to, it's part of their job to really understand what products are available. If you've got the next greatest product, and you ignore that and it goes to a competitor, that's not a sign of success for the person who didn't take that call of yours. So part of their role, part of their job is to find out what new products are available. But part of your role in being successful is how do you position that product within that client's portfolio or relative to other complementary products, or some people could consider it competitive products within the portfolio. So If you're selling a comparable product, well, why is it different than the one they already have? Well, what's the compelling reason that I should listen to your story because I've already got one of these? So you've got to be able to answer 
those type of questions. And the only way that you can do that is do the research that we talked about. But clearly, having a strong and compelling proposition to say, I realize you've got this product. I think there's some other product. I think the reason why you want my product is because it complements this offering or because it fills a niche where I think this other product doesn't fill. So thinking strategically, if you were sitting in this seat and somebody gave you a call and selling their product, how would you put that product within their portfolio? One of the easiest things that I can see and how to do that Of course, always writing these things down, but as you're doing your research on a prospective company, you're looking for both their pain points and their opportunities. Simply think of how your product either solves their pain points and creates opportunities for them and or ideally both. Because if you can go in with the research done, have that on paper and have what you believe is your opening opportunities and your opening pain points that you're solving, it'll be a lot easier for you to quickly identify and review some of those things as you happen to get on the phone with these folks, as opposed to stumbling through and trying to remember what those are if you haven't done the research up front. Yeah. And that's the whole point, right? Because if you understand the company you're calling, you understand the person you're talking to, you've already thought through those issues. You already have your notes. And the next call, guess what? You're talking to a very similar company. You're talking to a very similar individual, and it's going to be a very similar conversation. So the more you do this, the more repetitive it becomes, the more natural it becomes. And again, it becomes part of the system. And that's what we're all trying to get to, where if you think of the different stages of learning, when you first start out, you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what you don't know, right? And then once you start training, you've learned a little bit more, you, you become consciously incompetent. You know what you don't know. And then ultimately, you become consciously competent, where you know you're doing a good job. And then the final stage, and you do this every day in your job today, you just don't think about it. You become unconsciously confident. You just go through the sales call. You know how to answer the questions. You know what objections are going to come in. You do it naturally. You don't think about it. You don't think about the process because you become unconsciously confident during that whole process. That's brilliant. The four stages of uh, intellectual competence when it comes to sales or really anything in your business. But if you're focusing right. on sales, understand that you're starting at the bottom and that's okay. You learn by doing, you learn by trying these things out, continuing to document and continuing to improve so that you can push yourself further and further down the pipeline until you get to that end state where you're just naturally competent at answering the questions that come along because you've rinsed and repeated this model before. But also, and something that, Scott, you're a big proponent of, also building in the correct processes and improving and adding to your process documentation to be good at this over time. Right. Talk about process of sales, because I think that also, from the eyes of the inventor, makes it easier to get into sales. If you can think of sales as a rinse and repeat process where you're slowly adding to your material over time, it becomes less stressful on those small nuances that you may be afraid of on making those initial calls, because you're looking at it as a fundamental A plus B equals C. And as you continue to improve your processes, the steps that are required, increasing your opportunities, decreasing your pain points for that eventual customer, you will find that it ends up being more of a rinse and repeat model as opposed to having to continually think about the stress of one individual phone call or one individual step of the process. So tell me about some of the processes that you developed that you find are important for a hardware startup to emerge into the space and to continue to improve those processes over time. Right. And I think a couple of things, if you start from the very beginning, 
you're going to decide what your target market is and the people you're going to go after and the companies that you're going to talk to and the individuals you're going to talk to within those companies. You're going to find that some of those companies are not going to be a good fit, while others are going to be a great fit. So getting back to understanding and kind of optimizing that process, you're going to go through a learning process that you're going to find in, with a lot of you in uh, new firms just coming out with a new product. And what happens is, and you want this to happen, it's going to happen, is that you're going to think like, this is my target market for this product. And then you're going to hear a comment or somebody that says, God, I, I could see that product being used in this way. And then you, you're going to say, geez, I never thought about that. That's a great idea. And guess what? You pivot. You go to a different market. And then all of a sudden, that changes your focus to a different marketplace where your message is going to be highly resonate with those key decision makers. So you've got to learn. You've got to listen. You've got to adapt. You've got to improvise as you move through it. But recognize that as you go through this process, you're continuing to learn continuing to improve your processes. And when you're coming into objections, for example, you want to make sure that you put down what that objection is and write a response to it. Again, because you're going to get that objection and you're going to want to have a clear and compelling response on how do I overcome this objection during the process. So when you're going through each stage of the process, you want to make sure that you learn from that process and you continually improve from that process. And otherwise, you're going to be continuing to make the same mistakes. But making mistakes is part of the game. But remember, the people that you're calling want to hear about new and exciting products. And if I can just give you one word to leave you with, it's enthusiasm. You know, that enthusiasm from you, coming from you, the conviction in your voice, your passion, that overcomes a lot of process, right? Because you're excited. You know it's going to be a good fit. You're passionate about what you do. And that resonates with people because you could say whatever, but if you're passionate, if you speak with a great deal of conviction, that goes a long ways. That over overcomes a lot of mistakes. Although I'm a big process guy because I know ultimately you'll become unconsciously competent, being passionate, being driven, making those calls, even when you don't want to sometimes, that overcomes a lot in the wholesaling process. That is incredibly powerful stuff. I love how you brought up two major topics there. One is feedback and the other is enthusiasm. Feedback is huge here, not just because it's good to listen and learn and improve your process, but know that you're talking to an incredibly intelligent individual within the industry generally when you're on the line there. If you're talking to a buyer's agent and their product category is related to yours, the feedback that they are going to give you is invaluable because they're doing that over potentially 30 plus years of experience as being a buyer for that category. No matter where they are, are in the line, they've probably seen a lot of things in that space. So listen to what they say very, very carefully, because as Scott mentioned, they may actually give you that golden nugget tip that tells you, I'm not the right person to be selling to. However, have you tried this person over there? And there's going to be a reason why they're directing it that way. And there's a reason they're giving you that feedback. It might be feedback on another place to sell, it also might be feedback on your product, maybe something you can do differently. One of the objections that they might have that you can do differently to actually improve that product to make it sellable to them. Whatever the case is, note that feedback down because it's coming from an expert generally, especially if you're speaking to the right person that we were talking about earlier. The second thing that you talked about is the enthusiasm. And I like that you bring that up because not enough people do bring it up on the podcast, but I like how you mentioned just how powerful it is. 
As a new seller, inevitably you're going to make those mistakes. So find the ways that you can overcome those mistakes. And like Scott's saying here, enthusiasm is one of the big ones that you can do. It should also be very easy for you because for most of the listeners on this podcast that have an invention idea that have developed it and are ready to start selling it to the market, this is your baby. This is the thing you've been working on. This is your dream. This is your passion. Allow that to come through your messaging. Because keep in mind who you're competing against in a lot of these situations. You're competing against some selling department of some Fortune whatever X hundred company that's selling their next widget or gadget from some person who's just been told to sell it amongst you know, a thousand other things that they're trying to sell. Whereas you are calling them with a thing you developed. It was your idea that you passionately stand behind, that your name's behind, everything else. That gives you a competitive edge. So although they may have the history, you have that unique character. You have that enthusiasm. You have that special ability to say, this is why one and only product that I'm very proud of. Of course, there's pros and cons to that from a buyer's eyes, but they can't beat the enthusiasm factor there, especially as a hardware startup. Yeah, that's critical. And I think I've seen it on both ends from both a receiver and a giver, what passion and honesty and driven and really putting your heart and soul into something does to the conversation you have with people. And that comes through. There's clearly a difference between somebody who's trying to sell a product and the person who invented the product. And that's no different than somebody who founded a company much like many of you, as well as people who found a product, you know, there's just a certain level of passion. There's a story behind it as to the reason why they founded the company or developed this product. And those stories, again, are very, very compelling and something that you should consider as part of your discussion with your clients is, you know, why did you invent this product? What was the motivation behind it? And storytelling, you know, is as old as time, right? But many times, B2B salespeople just don't think it's appropriate to bring up kind of a story. And and you have to, it's nuanced within the B2B world. But telling stories, you walked in and you saw this pain point and you didn't see a solution. So you built this product. And this isn't the pitch that you use on Shark Tank. This is kind of the conversation, the story that gets to your value proposition and why you're different, but it tells it in, in such a way that it resonates with people. Because at the end of the day, people don't remember facts, they don't remember numbers, but they remember the story. That's powerful stuff. And I can tell you just from a little bit of behind the scenes with some of the retailers that I have conversations with, every major retailer around the world right now is increasing the acceptance of one-off inventors. It's a huge hot topic. Obviously, because of the growth of Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they're seeing major brands come out because buyers are saying, I actually want to buy a product that has that backstory behind it. And it starts out in certain smaller categories and it's growing and emerging over time. So the retailers are highly sophisticated machines. They're looking at it and they're saying, okay, we traditionally, it was kind of difficult to get a one SKU product, an original product from one inventor. You know, until you had a brand line, it was very hard to get into retailers. It's still difficult, but the tides are changing. And it's changing to the point where retailers are starting to introduce programs to allow it to be easier for somebody that just has one product to get in the doors. Not necessarily saying you're actually going to make the sale, but just know that it's easier than ever before and going to continue to get easier as more and more retailers are jumping on this concept of inventor sold products. So something where they've got that passion, the enthusiasm, it allows the retailer 
to resell that passion and enthusiasm, maybe through the story behind it or the packaging or whatever else. They can charge a higher price for a new and innovative product because it is this one-off thing that everyone's so passionate about the backstory of the inventor. And you'll notice that of these major products that you see out there that has an owner backstory behind it, look at the really big ones that have succeeded. You will see that the story is used in so many of the marketing materials, even on the back of the package, whereas never before would you see this kind of backstory. Now, more than ever, you're starting to see that trickle in a whole bunch of different product categories. So if there's any time to start selling direct, might as well start selling now. The other beauty of it is it's free. It costs nothing to pick up the phone. It costs nothing to do all this work that Scott and I are talking about today. It's something you can do just with hard sweat and getting out there and getting your name and your product out there to more and more people over time, improving, refining your process. Scott, before I let you go here, uh, talk a bit about what you do in terms of building out some tools, some of the tools that you offer and some of the coaching that you do to help people step-by-step through all the nuances of building out these sales processes. Yeah, when I first got involved with sales, it constantly amazed me because I came originally from an operating environment. So I ran an operations and in operations, they were very process focused. Step one, step two, step three. And when I got into sales and I worked for multiple sales organizations, I always felt like I was starting from scratch. I would go join the organization. There would be no selling system. There'd be no sales playbook. I have to figure out everything on my own. And frankly, I looked around me and saw a lot of salespeople not being successful. And I said that, that, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better system. So I kind of took that operational knowledge and said, well, why can't we apply that to something that people say it's more art than science? Well, I'm saying sales is just as much science as it is art. So I brought the science into sales and put processes around to help people be successful. People like your listeners of your podcast, people who aren't used to selling, how do you provide a system? How do you help them not figure it out on their own, but put a system in place where you tell them step by step by step, these are the things you should be doing. These are the things you should be thinking about because frankly, the selling industry is far behind many other industries. It's not very mature. And what we're trying to do is to help companies like your listeners become more effective and more efficient in selling by providing a system to them. Amazing. And how do they learn more about those systems? Yeah, so my company name is Company Expert. And so it's companyexpert.com. And we've got over 100 playbooks. And they range from business planning to selling to marketing. And we've got several different membership options, one of them which is free. So I encourage you all to take advantage of it. While you're on the site, we also have a B2B forum with over 100,000 members. So if you have a question and you want to get feedback from other B2B members, please take advantage of that. But I I want to kind of leave you with a thought is that, you know, we're in a very difficult time here with inflation, getting the supply chain, getting help. You know, it could be a little overwhelming with that on top of sales and all that. But but recognize some of the best breakthroughs that have happened in very difficult times. Disney was started during the Great Depression. And if you look at Legos, Legos, when I was a kid, you had a pile of Legos, you figured out what to do with. They were ready to go bankrupt just before the last Great Recession. And they kind of rethought their business. And they said, well, what can we do differently? And Sometimes you as an entrepreneur have to do the same thing. They rethought their business and then they got into movies. They got into Legoland. Now they're in Asia and Europe and 
they're thriving because they thought differently about their business. So in times like these, it could often be overwhelming, but these are the times. Change creates opportunity, and now it's really an opportunity for you to really go out there and start selling. Scott, much appreciated for your words of wisdom there. Absolutely can echo that. Know that if times are slow, it's the perfect time to be building out your processes, learning from them, improving them so that when things start to really take off, at that point, you are well geared, both on the product side, your product's completely ironed out, ready to ship, tested, tweaked, refined. You've got amazing product ready to ship. And on the sales side, Try tested and true for how you're actually going to move that thing to market because you don't want to spend the first year or two of a major economic boom organizing those processes when you can do it now when things are, call it slightly sleepier and you've got a little bit more time to learn and improve and figure out your system to make it work. So as always, Scott, those notes that you mentioned in terms of the website and whatever else, I'll put those links in the show notes for anyone listening in that wants to click through or you can go directly to his website there. Uh, check Scott out on LinkedIn. And again, thanks for all your words of wisdom and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time